Hello, listener. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 45. man it is our one year anniversary today one year ago today i made the first one of these podcasts and posted it so we did 45 in a year that's pretty good right i feel pretty good about that that's you know more than every other week i did a lot i was doing two a week at the beginning and then every week and you know i still do every week sometimes so you know it's not on a regular schedule i like to keep you guys on your toes I was looking at my time hop yesterday. I was honestly, I was going to do the podcast yesterday, but I got really distracted making floor plans and keynote, dreaming of a time when Jane doesn't get into my stuff and I can rearrange my studio because I've been songwriting lately and all my instruments are over in the fenced off part. But anyway, uh, then I looked at my time hop and I was like, uh, oh, tomorrow is the one year anniversary. So I'm going to wait a day. So I did. So here we are, one year later. Thanks for listening. You guys are really swell. Uh, Let's see. Songwriting's been going great. I got two awesome songs. That's really not much, I suppose, but uh, they're really long. They're both almost seven minutes long. So now I'm working on kind of a folky, protesty number that should be really short with acoustic guitar. But because of this whole studio layout, I'm not actually near my acoustic guitars. So I've been doing it all in GarageBand. No, I bought, I've been doing it in Logic Pro X. I record the podcast in GarageBand, but I've been doing my music in Logic because there's just so much more functionality. And the last time I was doing songwriting, I was doing GarageBand, and I was running up against all these limitations. So I, I graduated to the big leagues. I watched like 30 hours of Logic Pro X tutorials from this guy on YouTube, music, music tech help guy. He's awesome. And I learned all this stuff like you know, flex time and the flex pitch and how to use certain things. And I found this really cool sort of like guitar chord triggering thing in the scripting folder. And so, you know, it's been really fun. I'm really into it. I, I, I haven't watched all the mixed vocals tutorials yet, so I, I don't want to play them for you till I do some more mixing on the vocals. They're pretty good. I've sent them out to some friends. If you really want to hear one, you can ping me and I'll send you a Dropbox link to one of the two of them. But it's cool. I like this new style I'm doing. It's like kind of rock, kind of space rock, kind of like, but they're all political songs, but they're all funny, but they're like mordant humor, if you will. So that's kind of fun. I, you know, it's been really rewarding. Uh, let's see what else, what else? We had a pool party in the neighborhood last night and about 40 neighbors all went to Delcine and Phil's house and, you know, basically drank and the kids got in the pool. Emma's like the oldest person that gets in the pool. No adults go in the pool except for Emma, but all the kids do. Jane hated it at first, but then she saw the other kids were having fun in there and she wanted to go back in and Emma took her back in and then she really liked it. It's like her fourth time in a pool, you know, we're not those parents to take our babies to those swim classes. I really would be into that, but I don't really have the time to do that. But it was super cute, Jane in the pool and talking to neighbors. Uh, so let's see, Levi and Nancy, and they brought their kids, two or three of their kids actually, and then Ricardo and Celine, they were like, they said they listened to the podcast, so that was really fun. Celine and I talked about the Chatham County budget for a long time. <laughs> 
it's coming full circle, man. It's coming full circle. And, uh, yeah, you know, talked to Delcine, to, uh, met my new neighbor, Brian, met another new neighbor, Nick. So it was cool. It was a good time. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on vacation, so I got nine days off. I took the whole week off to go to a wedding in France, but I can't make the wedding. I got some stuff that came up, so I can't do that. So I'm just going to be home for nine days, which I am pretty into. That is very exciting. Uh, I've been chatting with my old partner, Ben Palmer, today on Signal. Uh, he's got five notifications there. I should check in on him in a minute. He's doing well. He's doing well out in California. Just got back. He was in Paris for a while because Victoria, his girlfriend, was doing like a show. So that was cool. Yeah, everything's going well. It's, it's a good time. I'm in a pretty good mood. Oh, I got a beep. Let's, 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 let's uh, check that out. Oh, that's exciting. That was August Stone. Just sent me the manuscript to his uh, his account of the time that him and our friend Andy Shea went to Berlin in search of a mythical bar owned by Nick Cave that probably did not exist. I'm excited to read that. August has been in a bit of a nostalgic mode lately. He doesn't usually look back a lot. That's been really enjoyable. I'm a nostalgia junkie, as you know. So, you know, it's, it'll be fun to read that. I, I remember remember the when they went on that trip very well speaking of nostalgia junkie I, I i was wondering today just how many pages of journals i've written in my life uh something i can't remember why something came up and i was like where am i at with this last time i checked it was about eleven thousand pages but that was a long time ago so i added them all up and it was about i just passed fifteen thousand pages which is nuts <laughs> Uh, and they're, they're, they're tight pages too. They're very dense. It's, you know, it's like six point type and you know, I'm a big Anna East Nin fan and she of course had a journal her whole life. And so I looked it up and she hit 15,000 pages when she was 63 years old. So, you know, I'm 16 years ahead of her. So I feel pretty good about that. Got a late start too. I didn't start till I was 16. She started when she was 11. So, you know, it is my primary form of therapy. I wrote in my journal this morning. I write pretty much every day. I use 750 words, which is a great app that my friend Buster made. I strongly recommend it. It's a web app, though. There's no iOS version. I remember like five years ago, I was talking to him, and he's like, lots of people write on their phone every day, and I thought that was so crazy. But now I write on my phone almost, not every day, but several days a week, and uh, I really am ready for an app version of that. But I just got this sweet new iPad Pro, 11-inch, 10.5-inch iPad Pro. I got it for work. Got the Logitech backlit keyboard and it is amazing it is such a great piece of technology uh it's i don't have a laptop i'm never going to use a laptop again i'm just going to use this thing when i hit the road and i love it i i, I didn't pay for it so you know they're like a thousand bucks they they cost like a laptop amount of money but if you're in the market for one well, you know drop me a line i'll tell you all about it it's amazing with the keyboard on it you can go to home you can alt tab through apps you can there's spotlight command space to get the spotlight it's like using a laptop it's amazing it's amazing. Oh, I got a hunch this is going to be a long one today. <laughs> I'm in a rambling mood. I'm on vacation. I'm feeling lugubrious. Shout out to Francine Mears, my ninth grade vocabulary development teacher for teaching me the word lugubrious. She was really great. She's a friend of my mom's. She's passed on, but she was, she was awesome. Mrs. Mears, man, she was great. Anyway, Jane is doing wonderfully well. Well, she was good to me this morning, just now at lunch with Janet and Emma. She was being a little pill, but she's, she's awesome. Let's see. Today, her big word is up. So she comes up to me and she goes up and she wants to be lifted up. And I go up and she goes up and she says it's so cute. Up, up. 
I bet that just sounds like static on the mic, but uh, it's super cute. She's learned, uh, uh-oh, whenever she drops something, which is really cute. Uh, and hand, the hand is really nice. I go hand and she holds her hand up and she holds my hand and we go on walks and it's so cute. I walk around with her in the stores and stuff now sometimes, which is really fun. She just turned 20 months old, which is amazing. Uh, I think it's almost time that I bring her to New York, so I'm, I'm plotting a trip. I'm going to fly her up there, and I'm going to... Ooh, I just booked my tickets for July and August, and I wanted to bring her before then, so I'll figure that out, but I'm going to fly up there, take her to work, get a suite at the hotel. They said they'd upgrade me to a suite that week, and I'll bring her to work for a while, and then my friend Amelia is ready to babysit. She'll take her back to the hotel, and she'll watch her till I get out of work, and then I'll invite people over, and they can all hang out with her, and then I'll put her to sleep in the bedroom, and I'll you know maybe go to the bar downstairs or something and bring my baby monitor. Uh, it's going to be great. I'm very excited to travel with my daughter. Ah, she's awesome, man. She's 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 a bundle of fun. Uh, let's see. Okay, so we're gonna do music. Music is uh, it's it's pretty long today. <laughs> it's been two weeks. So let's see. I sold some stuff on Discogs. I sold Quebec, a late period Ween album. It has a couple good songs on it. I remember there was one about the Alcan Highway, the uh, Alaska Highway. I enjoyed it at the time, but I'm I'm kind of out of my ween phase. I I was very very into them in college with my friends Hugh and Mark. We the early albums, yeah, God Ween Satan, the Oneness, and the Pod. We we probably saw Ween like thirty times live back then. It was we were pretty into it, but we got out of it before they became like a dead type band where people travel with them. And, and then later, I think on actually on the Quebec tour, I was living with Judy and we went to a weed show in Boston at Avalon. And, and that was the first time I had gone with like the dead sort of vibe and all these like hippies watching ween shows and I was out and smoking back in the back with some kid he's like when's the first time you saw ween I was like first album man and he's like oh my god I can't even believe it it was really weird so I don't go to ween shows anymore <laughs> and then I sold the Black Crows She Talks to Angels promo CD single on American Records I got when I was working radio I, I liked that song back in the day but I was like whatever I don't care and I just sold it I didn't even re-rip it I was just like you're free to go into the world single track black crows single somebody paid like eight bucks for it too there's still some black crows fans out there uh and then just today i sold two cds i'm a little sad about both of them first one is the barging into the presence of god pale saints ep which wait hold on a second Yes, sorry. I thought maybe I mixed up which Pale Saints CD, but it was uh, Barging in the Presence of God. It's an EP. Uh, I love the Pale Saints, and that made me really into them, and I listened to a bunch of Pale Saints, and uh, it was kind of sad to see it go. But then I found a 12-inch copy in Canada for like 2 bucks, so I bought that. There was a period in the early 90s where 4AD had this partnership with Vertigo Records in Canada, and the, the you know they look the same. They, they have... But there are 480 Vertigo co-releases in Canada, and the vinyl is very cheap to buy in the United States, and I own a bunch of them now. So I was like, because otherwise, you know, there wasn't a single copy. There was one copy of the 480 UK version that shipped in America. And it was like 30 bucks. I was like, no, no, $3 plus shipping. That's 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 more my speed. And then I'm a little sad I sold this. I just sold the Bob Mould Live at ATP 2008 CD. Uh, and it's not out on vinyl, which is a bummer. And I was at that show, and it's really good. And I'm really sad I'm selling it because it's a great souvenir of that show. So that's a bummer, but I'm not going to, like, screw this guy over. It's going out. I ripped it to lossless, so I have it. But, man, that show was amazing. I mean, he was playing, like, Sugar songs, you know, and he played, like, See a Little Light. He was playing, like, Husker Du songs. It, it was awesome. Make no sense at all. New Day Rising. Oof. 
What a good show. I will miss that CD. You will be missed Bob Mould CD. Uh, live shows. I skipped the Sebado show. I was just too tired. Actually, I just forgot we were going to go, and I just forgot, so that was dumb. But the legendary Pink Dots are coming. That is very exciting. <laughs> uh, they're coming to a local 506, actually, not the Cat's Cradle. So that is that is going to be a good time. That's not till October, though, and Ride is coming in late summer. That is very exciting. And they're playing Cat's Cradle, and then new pornographers are coming to the Hollow River Ballroom out in Saxbaugh, which is an amazing place. So we'll probably go to that. New Pornographers is kind of like one of mine and Emma's early dating bands. And then my friend Miranda was in the band for a while. And I follow Carl on Twitter and he's really funny. So I'm going to go. Uh, yeah, there's not much going on in the live scene though. Listen to a ton of new music over the last two weeks. I got one more Lock Groove EP. I just talked about Lock Groove in the last episode. So there's one more EP I didn't have. I got that. It's really good. Listen to the new Hot Chip Bathful of Ecstasy, which I love. It's like a Hot Chip album. Goes down easy. Ridiculous lyrics. Very beautiful. The worst cover I've ever seen. On <laughs> it's Seriously, it looks like a sign in your massage therapist's office or something. Uh, new Bill Callahan album, Shepherd and Sheepskin Vest. That was really good. If you like uh, the folkier, slower version of Bill Callahan or smog new bruce springsteen album western stars is fantastic you should give that a listen very mellow sort of westerny not like you know cliched country but just has kind of an americana feel to it that's really nice new madonna oof, you know i was listening to it and at one point i was like this sounds like something that a an open mic singer would have sung at the 1369 coffee house on mass ave in boston in like 1992 and not in a good way so i was pretty unimpressed with that and then i listened to the foxygen album we are the 21st century ambassadors of peace and magic and it was really great and i now regret skipping foxygen who is the headliner of the now now daddy issue show i told you guys about a few weeks back foxygen ended that show and i didn't stay for him because i'm old and i was tired and i hadn't heard them and now i've heard them and i regret it because they're really good and then uh, Caveman, this band, I didn't know much about him. My, uh, my friend Nikki sent it to me. Yeah, it's called Otero War, and it was awesome. He said he listened to it all the time, and I could see it. There's nothing amazing about it. It's just sort of like solid Brooklyn indie rock. Uh, not twee indie rock, like solid, you know. Uh, anyway, it's really good. It's really solid. <laughs> That's just the word I'm going to use for that all the time. And then I listened to, there's a new new Hold Steady single off of a forthcoming album. This single is called Denver Haircut. It, you know, it's, it's got it's got his lyrics. But there's something about the music of the Hold Steady and since the, the Teeth album where I just isn't quite as catchy to me compared to the one before that. Well, all of them before that, but Up Through Heaven is Whenever. So I don't know. We'll see how the album is. Ironically, I love his solo stuff, though. So I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're going to see. And then there was, I just saw a headline somewhere. I think it was on Vanya Land, actually, that Boston indie thing. And it was like, this is a bunch of women playing goth country music. And I was like, all right, sign me up. And it was called Sad, Sad Girls. They have one song on Spotify. It's called His Hands. And it's okay, but I have a lot of hope. I have a lot of optimism for Sad, Sad Girls. <laughs> I think they're going to be pretty exciting. Uh, and then I listened to something called Purple Mounds. Oh, yeah, that's the guy from... Um, uh, Silver Jew's new thing. That's what it was. Darkness and cold. And that was great. I think um, I think there's going to be more Purple Mountains coming, which is pretty exciting. Uh, and then the new Earth album, Full Upon Her Burning Lips, which is great if you like Earth and you like droney, sludgy guitar loops, riffs over and over again forever. Very solid. Listen to the new Silver Sun pickups, parcels. That was kind of like meh. The new Romstein album, <laughs> which was very hard to get through because it's just an endless album that sounds exactly like Romstein, and none of the songs are Du Hast Nick, but all you think the whole time are like, this sounds like Du Hast Nick, but you know, <laughs> there's a new Romstein album out there if, you, if you're excited about that. 
uh, if you are a Romstein fan, it, it delivers. It, it, you know, I'm not a huge Romstein fan, but I got a nostalgic soft spot for them from the Man Ray days in Boston Goth Club. Uh, listen to a band called Apex Manor, and I don't remember why. Heartbreak City. It was. It was. I have positive memories of it, but I don't remember it very well. And I listened to a single by a band called Parcels, called Parcels. I think this was another Nikki recommendation, and that was really good. Uh, Soft Skies Inc., which is uh, what's her name from Slow Dive, is in this new band, and that is pretty awesome. I think it was just a single, but there's more to come with that one, so I'll be keeping an eye out for that. Rachel Goswell, that's her name. New His Name is Alive, which is like, it's not really new. It's a bunch of recordings he made when he was like 10 and 11 using answering machine tapes, and they're actually kind of amazing. So that's really impressive. I mean, that guy, is he's just a prodigy. It's pretty amazing. Uh, another new ride single, Future Love. Uh, so, you know, we'll get a new ride album. That is pretty exciting. Uh, that song, I was like, mm, I don't know. It's interesting. Ride, their new stuff is good, but, you know, it's like fine. But the new, the last new Slow Dive record is just so good. I listened to it again today, and it's like, my God, man, that is the best comeback album of all time, I think. Uh, then an album called Five by a band called Salt, S-A-U-L-T, another Nikki recommendation. Kind of enjoyed it. Kind of moody, mellow. Um maybe a little bit like Prinzhorn Dance School, if you remember them. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I like the only one listened so far, but I, I feel positively towards it. But really what I've been doing is for the last week. So here's the thing. I have this record player right next to my desk. And then next to that is a bin that's sort of supposed to be the heavy rotation bin, right? And then all the records that are filed away are on the opposite side of the studio behind the, the kitty gate. But the thing is, I don't ever, like, take anything out of the record bin anymore. I just leave a few records by the record player. So this record bin was full, and it was just full of things I haven't touched in the bin in, like, two years. And so I was like, I'm just going to work my way through this bin, and then I'm going to file them. So I've been doing that, and it's, like, been kind of fun because, you know, things in this bin go back three years. Like, I just looked it up. There was I, today, the last record I listened to was that new Slow Dive record, and it came out in, like, May of 18, or 2017. And I got it a couple months early from my friend that works at their distributor. So I got that record in February of 2017. So these records, some of these records have been sitting in this bin for well over two years. And I was like, this is just, this system isn't working. So I'm just going to listen to them all and make a new system in advance of this theoretical reorganization of the office in the next year or so so anyway i listened to like 20 of these records so far over the last two weeks it's great i just constantly i don't have to think about what i play i just pull the next one out and i play it and i've just flipped the record and it makes you get up every 10 15 minutes when you're working uh so i will just run through all of those real quick because some of them are in predate the podcast right so I listened to both Blade Runner soundtracks, the original in 2049, when Blade Runner 2049 came out, I got that soundtrack on vinyl, and then I was like, I'm going to get the original too, so I listened to them sort of as, a, as an item, they go together very, very well, those are both amazing, I listened to Hot Snakes, uh, what's the name of that album, the one with uh, Do You Compute and Here Come the Warm Jets? Here come the Rome Plows. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, listen to that album. Uh, Nils From All Melodies, a fantastic record. That was really good. Got uh, kind of obsessed with June of 44 again a year or two ago. So I bought the vinyl of Engine Takes on Water because I sold the CD. So I listened to that. Uh, June of 44, man. They sound better now than they did back when they came out. Listen to the Ry Cooter Paris, Texas soundtrack, which is amazing. It's a Vin Vendors film. If you've never seen it, I strongly recommend the film. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton and Natasha Kinski. 
Anyway, the soundtrack is great. It really holds up. I listened to, I bought this vinyl of Storm in Heaven by Vervka years two ago. So I listened to that again. That is one of my all-time favorite records. It's so good. Uh, the self-titled Eric Bachman album from Archers of Loaf, the last Eric, Bach, Eric Bachman album, is really, really good. I I love it. I, I start a bunch of tracks that are in my Spotify frequent playlist, so I listen to some of that album a lot. The last Cherry Glazer album, Apocalyptic, is really, really fun. Not as good as for the uh, Cherry Glazer album before that, but it's really solid. Uh, Zeno and Oaklander album, Lipstick, those two make kind of a matched pair. Uh, Zeno and Oaklander used to be on Ghostly, now they're on uh, Gibby's label on California, same label as Drab Majesty, uh, Dias Records, D-A-I-S. And uh, it's great. That was a great record, kind of like dark, weird, sort of uh, electronica, but not, you know, not like dancey electronica, kind of like goth electronica, but nobody calls it that. Uh, the last Japan Droids album, Near to the Wild Heart of Life. I was in New York and I was walking down the street and the first single that album came out, Near to the Wild Heart of Life. And I was like, oh my God, this album is better than I remember it because, you know, I just, it wasn't celebration rock. So when it came out, I was kind of underwhelmed, but it has aged well. Strongly recommend that. Uh, an album called I Feel Fine by a band called Crash, which was Kurt Relsk from Ultra Vivid Scene was in this band. So I bought that to check it out on vinyl about a year or two ago. The last Mercury, not even the last Mercury Rough album anymore. That's how long this has been in the bin. They put out another album since. But uh, The Light in You by Mercury Rev has two amazing songs on it. The first song, Queen of Songs, is Queen of Swans is amazing. And then the last song is amazing. The rest of the album just sounds like Mercury Rev's late period, sort of fairies and horses kind of thing. But it is really good. Those two songs make the album. Uh, I bought the reissues of Congregation in Uptown Avondale by the Afghan Wigs. So I gave those a re-listen. Very solid. It's my favorite period of the Afghan Wigs. When I was filing them, it turned out I was like, oh, I actually own the original pressing of both of these. So that was, oh, no, I'm sorry. Just Congregation, Uptown Avondale. Dale had never been put out on vinyl before. It was a CD only release. But yeah, I was like, whoops, well, I guess I didn't need to buy that. Oh, well. And then those two Black Rebel, Rebel Motorcycle Club earlier albums, BRMC and Howl. I listened to those from back when my friend Harry and I went to go see Black Rebel at Cat's Cradle. And I was like, oh my God, you forget how good this band is. They're so amazing. And they've aged into being more awesome because they have. Like, the first time I saw them on the first record, I was like, these guys kind of want to be like Dylan meets the Velvet Underground. But they're too young. But now they're not too young. They're in their 40s and they've been doing it forever. And they're much more badass. And they're so good. So, you know, if they ever pass through your Town. I strongly recommend seeing him. Uh, and then I've got a, a mono reissue, mono, like the uh, Japanese post-rock band. Uh, their label, Michael Jair runs it. What's that label called? I can't remember the name of the label. I buy a lot of stuff from them. Anyway, uh, they, re they reissued the Hymn to the Immortal World, so I listened to that. That was really great. About a year ago, I bought the test pressing to Love's Secret Domain by Coil, which is like a fantastic Coil record, and it has window pane on it, and uh, oh my god, that record is so creepy. It is like one of the weirdest, scariest drug records ever made. I strongly recommend it. And the song Love Secret Domain is really, really amazing, too. Uh, then I listened to, I bought, like, a while back, a cheapo copy of this, the Hunger soundtrack, uh, the David Bowie, Catherine Deneuve vampire movie that featured Peter Murphy in Bauhaus. Uh, it's classical. It's all that, like, sort of classical music that David Bowie would play in the movie with his cello and his string quartet. But it's great. I, I, to listen, I had that on cassette when I was a kid, and I would listen to it all the time. And so now I own a vinyl version. I'm very happy about that. Then I listened to the Kevin Shields and Brian Eno joint 12-inch, which is great, except for it is an ambient drone piece and it is a 12 inch single and it doesn't tell you to play it on 33 or 45 and i'm not 
totally sure yet. I got the right speed. I think it's 33, but if, you know, there's <laughs> no real way to know. So that's a little weird. Uh, then I listened to the all three Casey Musgrave records. <laughs> I own them all on vinyl. I'm kind of obsessed. So I listened to her entire like discography in chronological order, starting with same trailer, different park, and going through pageant material into the new one, Golden Hour. So that was really satisfying. Uh, and then today I listened to the Godflesh last album, Post Self, sort of grungy, noisy, dirgy, grindcore. Uh, they can still make records. Justin Broderick is in like 10 bands, but it's always exciting when he makes a Godflesh album. So that was pretty exciting. And then the last one I finished up with that new slow dive new. It's two years old, which is just perfect. It is, I swear to God, the the best comeback album of all times. Woo, look at that, man. 24 minutes in and all I did was get through the music. It's been pretty musically intense. And that was with writing two amazing epic protest songs that someday you'll hear. And I think are great. And everyone I send them to, except for my friend, Abby. Thank you, Abby. Abby was the only one that really like liked them. <laughs> I don't even know if she liked them or she was just being nice, but she sent positive vibes. So that was nice. Everybody else is just kind of like, why are you writing weird songs about Australian farmers? But Australian farmers can be heroes too. They really can. Anyway, TV, let's see. We watched the debates both nights. It was a good time. First night, I was very, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Warren fan, so I was. I, all she had to do in my book was not mess up, and there wasn't much likelihood of that. She did go to college on a debate scholarship, so, you know, I was feeling pretty safe about that. But uh, other people that impressed me was Jay Inslee. Uh, you know, as you know, I'm very concerned about the environment. I think it is kind of like a huge issue. And I like these candidates that are like focusing on one issue like that. But so that's nice. You know, there's only one climate question. People give him a lot of guff about that. Jay Inslee is pushing for a climate debate and, uh, he had a very good answer, but they all have pretty good answers on environment. Uh, I can't remember one of the lesser candidates, Bennett, maybe somebody tried to like bring back cap and trade. And I'm like, no man, screw that. But, uh, the thing that really impressed me about Inslee is everything else sounded competent out of his mouth too. So he's a one, you know, he's a one issue candidate, but he was like solid on everything else. Nothing like groundbreaking, but like, you're like, Oh, he's actually more rounded than you think. So that was good. And then Castro, of course, that was really interesting. He was, uh, going on about section 1325, which is like a, a law that came up in the twenties and is still in effect that criminalizes crossing the border illegally rather than making it a civil offense. And he called out the candidates whose plans didn't repeal it. Nobody would do it. And he like totally took somebody else to task for it. Oh, Beto. Beto did not shine in that debate. I think he's done. But, uh, you know, and then the next night they they incorporated that into a question for the, the candidates who here supports the decriminalization crossing the border. By the next night, everybody's shaped up. They're like, ah, I might have to face that, face that guy next time. So they just all raised their hand. And I'm like, that is why some people run for president. They run for president to shift the debate and to like get people to support things even if they may not win so i was like props to you castro he went way up in my esteem as well and then the night two uh kamala harris obviously won the night she was very 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 solid uh her taking task at biden was necessary but so painful to watch and and it didn't have to be that painful and it was mostly on him because his answer about states rights and busing was just so bad you know like there's just better ways to answer that question first off you acknowledge it was a mistake and then secondly you just tell the truth you're like look man that was a wildly unpopular thing and nixon was running and we needed to keep the senate seats and i didn't want to lose to a republican because we had to like check him it's not pretty but sometimes politics is a fight you know you could say that and say but also it was wrong but he didn't he just went to states rights and he sounded like a republican it was really bad it was painful to watch uh i felt but you know i, I like him in concept and i got in trouble on twitter because 
somebody was like, what has Joe Biden ever done? I was like, well, you know, if you read all those behind the scenes books of the Obama administration, like Game Change and whatnot, and uh, the one about his first year, uh, Obama or Biden comes out very well. He's like the most moderating voice about like anti-war and, you know, he sounds like an adult. And I think he's probably better at governing than he is at politicking. I think he's also like out of practice on primary debates, right? He never has anybody oppose him in senatorial debates. So he's just always debating Republicans. And you can pretty much say anything when you're debating a Republican. You just do broad, feel-good Democratic messages and it kind of works. But like, you know, in a primary debate, you're like arguing the nitty gritty of the policy and that's like a very different thing and he is not up to task and he's old and he's just like you know the party is moving in a direction he's not really capable of doing and anyway so but she was really solid except they finally asked the climate question and she was the first one to answer she gave a very good very good answer in support of the new deal and everything and then she started going on about russia and other stuff and this happened the first night too like one or two people got to answer the climate question and then they like pivot to another topic they feel more comfortable about and I was like man I want to hear from the other candidates about this don't be changing the topic completely that, that like annoyed me a little bit also I have to say two other things I reiterate I like her more now and she went up in my esteem but here are two other things I'll notice she her first good dig of the night was like everybody's arguing like you know we want to instead of a food fight let's put food on the table and then she like came away from the debate that night with the, pretty much the biggest argument of the whole debate. So that was a little weird. And also Biden's burn to her was hilarious. He was like, man, you know, I quit my job and I became a public defender and you became a prosecutor. And I was like, Ooh, that is a good burn. Nobody noticed it, but I was like that. that was pretty solid too. Uh, yeah. Anyway. And then, you know, Bernie was Bernie. I, it's, it's so hard. I mean, everybody's like, yeah, we know what he's going to do. He's going to be curmudgeonly and say his shtick. And that's what he did. And yeah, you know, I didn't, there's too many other voices up there now that are saying the same stuff and it makes him look worse for it because it's like, oh, I want it out of that amazing woman's mouth. that's like forceful and interesting and not this like old man who's yelling at me, you know? So I bet it didn't do him much favors, but it's early, early days. And I think my ranking now is Warren Castro Inslee and then Kamala Harris uh, so, you know, Castro, Inslee, and, and Harris all moved up. Inslee and Castro, I barely paid attention to before this. I mean, I, I, I pay attention. I'm an obsessive politicking guy, so, like, I wasn't paying attention. But, you know, they that was the first time I really saw them in, in, in action, so to speak, aside from their MSNBC appearances. Anyway, it was a good time. I, I don't regret doing it. I don't know if I can do it again in July. I will definitely watch September 1 once the pack starts thinning, but another 20 people over two nights in July is a bit much for me. We shall see, but who am I kidding? I'm a junkie, so I will probably do it. And then we watch Good Omens. I uh, heard some mixed reviews, and I kind of get it. Like, you know, the pacing is a little off, somebody said, and I think that was really true. But, I mean, the cast is just so good. and David Tennant is so good, and, and they, they, they have great chemistry, and, like, the, the minor characters there have great you know, casting. So, I mean, that really saved it. It's just, oh, they're, they're all such great actors. Maybe not Don Draper so much, but everybody else is awesome. So that's it. I haven't been watching a lot of TV. Did not watch any movies. Uh, last movie I saw in the theater was The Dead Don't Die. I talked about that last time. But I'm going on a binge tonight. We're going to see Toy Story 4. And then tomorrow I'm going to go watch uh, Endgame again because it's back in the theater. They, they put it back in the theater with an extra end credit scene because they're trying to beat Avatar for the number one movie of all time. And I'm like, well, neither one is like the perfect movie, but I think I'd rather Endgame be number one than Avatar. Although, as I'm saying that, I'm actually debating myself because 
say what you want about Avatar, but at least it was original IP and it wasn't like a comic or an adaptation or something. So maybe that's better. I don't know. But anyway, I want to see it one more time. I've got some questions I need answering. And uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is coming out July 4th, so I'll go see that. And then I think I'm going to go see one more. It's either going to be Late Night or Rocket Man. I don't really know. I was going to go see Anna, but that's a Luke Besson film, and that guy is like problematic and you know sexually harassing his stars all the time married an underage girl blah 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 so i don't really think i can support that guy anymore so but it looks good which is kind of frustrating so anyway by next podcast i'll have a lot more movies to report to you uh books i have been reading the vannevar bush engineer of the american century book endless frontier by g pascal zachary i'm almost done but uh the debate nights i stayed up too late and then i was in new york for three days instead of two so I didn't read there. And then last night we had the party. So even though it's been two weeks, I only got like four or five reading nights in. So I haven't quite finished it. I probably got like 50 pages left. So I'm definitely behind my one book a week thing right now. I'm going to hopefully some new Star Wars books are coming out soon that I can read in a single night and up my average. And hopefully they're written by women. I'm still ahead on more than 50% female authors for the year, but it's getting close. Uh, but that Jane Jacobs book will be next otherwise. And so that will keep me safely with a 50 plus percent margin of women authors this year. Yeah, let's see. Work. Time off's going great. Making good money. Got a new guy started. Name is Adam. He handles demand on the programmatic side. He's deeply knowledgeable. It's kind of amazing. A bit of a unicorn. That's pretty exciting. Um, got like a bunch more clients on Nimbus, made some really exciting sales, but we're not ready. I'm not ready to go public with those yet, but kind of validating my theories about us helping the press, which is really exciting because that's sort of, you know, getting off the, the Facebook, Google teat and, and making some, whatever. It's a long, complex thing. I'm not ready to fully go into next, but it is look yet, but it is looking promising. That is exciting. Uh, and then I have a bit of a dilemma here. Um, it turns out one of my investments is one of these companies that has been selling to CBP and ICE. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about the Wayfair walkout. Oh, look, it's my wife. Hello, wife. They can't look. What? Look. They can't look. It's my baby. She's handing me the baby monitor because she is. Listen, it's my wife. <laughs> she is going to go see a friend, so I'm on baby duty, but she's napping, so that's okay. Anyway, this company, I invested in them like 10 years ago, well, six, six or seven years ago, and I did it that's sort of at the height of Occupy because it was like would help the protesters, and I should have seen this coming, but of course it's using it being used instead in Orwellian manner. And it's kind of public, but they haven't really commented on it. And and I was like, well, you know, I mean, it's not an evil product. And like, the, you know, I was thinking about this with the Wayfair walkout. I was like, well, these kids do need beds. And I was like, whatever, I'm against it. I don't want to be involved. I don't want anything about it, but I don't feel comfortable publicly chastising them. So I'm just telling you guys that all that money, if I ever make any, I doubt I will. I didn't give them much. And like, you know, these companies go, you pretty much get squeezed out. If I ever make any money off of that, I will just donate it all to races or something like that. So you guys are my witnesses. Um, but I'm, I, maybe this is cowardice, but I'm not up for a public fight about it right now in my life. If it gets public, I will talk about it, but it's not really not really on me. Uh, and then the other thing I've been thinking about is everybody's email lists. They're sort of piling up in my life. I have like six I'm subscribing to now and it's getting a bit much, but they're all kind of nice. You know, there's Nick Cave, of course, who's just does an amazing job with the red right hand files. 
And then my friend Erin Griffiths, she's a journalist, hers is hilarious. And then I subscribe to one in the, in the county called the Chatham Chatlist that is, you know, keeps me very up to date and informed about the county. And then there's Rex Sorgatz's, Rex's Rex, which is like recommendations. That one's easy. Thank you, Rex. Yours is very digestible and you can do it very quick. And I like that a lot. And then there is uh, Noah and Colin, Noah Breyer and Colin Nagy, two old barbarians and old friends of mine have one called Why Is This Interesting? That is pretty solid. Read that every morning. And then there's the uh, Dave Pell, it's sort of like the front page of the internet thing. I can't remember what he calls it, but it comes out every day. It's like distillation of news stories. That one's really good. Then my friend Anya Kamenetz, she has one about children in screen time. So I was watching that one and I was reading an article, an interview with her about screen time. And I was thinking about that and it like made me go on this long thought thing about screens and screen time and sort of like. You know, she's like, well, you got to be, you got to different things on screens are different activities. They have different sort of integrations with the brain and, you know, it's different watching, reading a book on your screen versus like watching a movie. And I was like, okay, thank you. That's very good. It's not just paranoia, you know, like she's like doing constructive help here. And I was thinking about like. I need to get a Kindle before my baby is old enough to sort of know about this stuff so she knows when I'm reading a book on my phone versus like lost in social media because book reading, I mean, she loves books already, but uh, you know, book reading is something you want to support more. And then I was thinking about like my phone in general and I'm like very curmudgeonly about all this like screen addiction stuff. And I was trying to explain to Emma back when I was temping in the 90s before they had the internet and our phones and I would go to these offices and I just had to sit in this cube and if you had work it was fine but if you didn't have any work you just had to sit there and there was no internet and there was nothing you could do and uh, it was just so boring it was so hard it was so painful being in offices in the 90s like that and then the internet came and it was like oh my god thank you so much you know it made it so much better once you had like email and instant messenger and things like that and like I will forever be thankful for screens because they let me stay productive in unproductive places and I'm really into productivity and like waiting in line is not a pleasant task and you don't need to be open to the world while you're waiting in line and it's garbage to wait in line so at least you can read your book or catch the news and so I'm, I'm I, I don't have like screen phobia like a lot of people like I don't know. So I was thinking about that whole thing, but really I have to get like uh, a Kindle. I mean, I have a Kindle. I got to remember to use it in front of Jane more and call it a book. So she thinks that's a book. That's, that's sort of my goal there. That was a ramble, but I, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. songs and i will talk to you guys in another week or so take care have a lovely fourth of july eat some fake beyond meat burgers and kiss your loved ones